So we began a new series a couple of weeks ago, actually the beginning of the month, the beginning of this year, called This Is Us, talking about who we are. What is our identity in Christ Jesus? Uh, kind of our, our identity as individuals, as, as people who are Christ followers, who've given our hearts to Jesus. How do we look different from somebody who hasn't? Okay, do we speak different? Do we look different? Do we act different? Do we think different? I guess there should be something different about us. So we, we're looking at kind of who we are, our, our identity. But we're also talking about our identity as a church, as, as Sunny Hill Fern down. What makes us different from all the other clubs and societies who meet here at the Village Hall? Are we different? Yeah. I would hope so. I would hope there's something different about us and um, because obviously we have, we have Jesus at the centre of our church that we just sang. Uh, but what makes us, what do we believe about God that affects how we think and act and behave as a church. Um, what do we believe that God has you know, called us to be in this community, uh, in, in where we live, in, in the kind of the region we're in, and how is our behaviour affected by what we believe? So this is us. And I was thinking about this this week, and uh, I was trying to think of an illustration for why we're doing this series. And I don't know if you've ever loaded a, a trailer to go on holiday or something, you know, when, whenever we go on holiday and we're taking our trailer, we're going camping or something, I like to be the one to load it up, I like to be the one to do the packing, because I want to, yeah, Dean's nodding, you're with me, you feel me, right, you feel me on this, yeah, because I kind of, you want things to just slot in just right, and, and if you, our trailer, we've got on the inside, taped into our trailer, we've got an exact map of where things have to go, like, I'm a bit like that. Maybe you didn't know that about me, but I am a bit like that. Um, but if you, if you kind of got stuff on top of the trailer and you, you, know, you strap things down so that they don't move and, and fall off, right? We do that. Yeah, you strap it down. You strap it down tight. But then you set off. And I kind of, as you're driving along the road, you go around corners, you're going over potholes and bumps and things. Things get shaken. So the first time I stop, I normally go back to the trailer and just check and make sure, because things have settled, things have moved around, and so you kind of check the straps, retighten it a little bit. That's what this series is. Because, you know, we've got our values and our vision and things that we believe and, you know, things that make our culture that makes us us. But over time, things settle. You know, we, we, we start to veer away from, from things that, we you know, our, what our core beliefs are, and we have to go, hold on a minute, let's just, let's just, tighten things up a little bit here. Let's make sure that the things we're doing are the things that we want to be doing. Let's make sure that we're not doing things that are not in line with what we believe as a church. And we have to take stock. So I wanted to, you know, I was thinking of an illustration that kind of struck me as a good illustration. Perhaps there are things that we need to stop. Perhaps there are things we need to start. But it's always good to look at our identity and make sure that we're, we're all strapped down and going in the right direction, right? So, uh, there are four layers to our identity, okay? And we, this series is over four weeks, uh, which each week corresponding to a different layer. The first layer we looked at in the week, for week one was our beliefs. What do we believe? If you're building a house or doing an extension, um, if you've ever seen, you know, what, what do the builders do? You know, they're going to build a house. They don't come in and start laying bricks. What are the, what's the first thing they do? They, they dig down. They dig a trench. They dig a deep trench. You know, like a, a metre or six feet, you know, a metre and a half, two metres sometimes deep, depending on how big the structure is going to be. But they dig a deep trench. And then they fill that trench with concrete. Right? Because you need a 
solid and strong foundation at the bottom of your trench in order to build. It's like the foundation for the foundations, if you like. It's got to be, it's got to be level and it's got to be strong. Well, that's what that first week was about. What we believe, it's, it's the foundation for everything else. Um, A.W. A. Tozer, we had a, uh, a quote from, he was a theologian, and his quote was this. He said, what we believe about God is the most important thing about us. In other words, if we have certain set of things that we believe that God is or that he does, that will change us. So for example, if I believe that God is good and that he, he loves me, that should affect how I behave. That should affect my expectation about my relationship with God and my relationship with other people. If I have a belief that God knows me best and has plans and purposes for my life and has got a future for me, then again, that's going to affect how I walk my journey. I'm not just going to make decisions willy-nilly. I'm going to be asking God. I'm going to be saying, is this the direction you want me to go in? If I have a belief that God can do the impossible then actually that's going to raise the level of my faith and I'm going to expect more than I would do if I don't believe that. I'm going to think, okay, well I can ask him for pretty much anything. You know, and if it's in line with his will, he can do it because he's God who can do the impossible. Uh, if I have a belief that everything important in my life was settled by Jesus on the cross, that's going to change the way I behave. If I believe that when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, I was redeemed. My sins were forgiven. He paved the way for me to have a relationship with God. It's going to affect how I live my life. So what we believe, this is foundational. It's the foundation for the foundations, if you like. So that's what we looked at at the start. And if you want to know what we believe as a church, we have our... Statement of faith, it's in this leaflet here. You can pick one of these up at the back. We also have it on our website, uh, uh, sunnyhill.church slash about us. Um, and really, uh, this is just a statement of faith. It aligns with pretty much most other churches because most churches get their statement of faith from the Apostles' Creed written a couple of thousand years ago by the Apostles to stop kind of heresies and falsehoods coming into the church. So beliefs about, you know, oh yeah, we believe that God is a creator God. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died and rose again. We believe that the Holy Spirit, His presence is with us. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe in the uh, kind of, uh, in the word, that this, the Bible is the word of God. All sorts of things are in, are in that. And we take it just like most churches do. So what we believe as a church is aligned, I would think, mostly with what other church, Christian churches would also uh, believe. Um, in that first week, I likened our beliefs to our bones. Yeah, it's like the bones in a body. It's the skeleton. Everything else hangs on the bones. And if, you're, if your bones are broken or if they are floppy, like nothing's going to hang on it. All right? Nothing's going to work. You've got to get, you, get your bones uh, set. So, the first level is what we believe. Uh, and then, the second level uh, layer of our, our identity is our vision. That's what we looked at the second week, uh, which was um, kind of our mission, if you like. Because once we know what we believe, we need to have a direction of travel. All right, so, next thing. Do you like my images, by the way? 
I've worked really hard this week on my images. All right, so uh, the next layer, the bricks that go on top of that is our vision, our mission, okay, the direction that we're moving in. Um, and again, if, you know, if, the, if our beliefs are our bones, I said our vision is a bit like our senses, like our hearing, our touch, our sight, our smell, because these are how we interact with the world. And our vision is how we as a church interact with the world around us. So for Sunny Hill, we have a vision uh, statement. And our vision statement is three words, and it is? For the one. For the one. That's what we looked at. Okay, it's for the one. And there's kind of a couple of meanings in this. For the one, it means, it means we are here for the one God. Everything we do is for him. It's, you know, we are here because of him and we're here for him. He made us and we're here for him. We're for here for the one God. But we're also here for the one who doesn't know him yet. We, we exist as a church for the one who doesn't know God yet. So we have a missional mindset. We have an inviting mindset. With something we say here a lot is we want to be a church who invite relentlessly. We want to be a relentlessly inviting church. Welcoming people in and inviting people into God's kingdom. Because we are here for the one. And I was thinking, I want this, you know, this idea of being here for the one should permeate everything that we do as a church. Everything we do, we should be like a stick of rock with the words for the one going all the way through. I told you I've been working on my pictures this week. Look at that. That's clever, right? Uh, but we should be like a stick. You know, the words go all the way through that stick. You can bite it off in the middle. The same words will still be there. That's what we should be. We should permeate everything that we do. This idea of being here for the one. That's our vision. So once we're clear about that second layer of our identity, we move on to our third layer, which is what we're looking at today, which is our values. So our values build on top of our vision, which builds on top of what we believe. So it's the next layer of bricks in our structure, but if you notice, it's still foundational. It's still under the surface, if you like, our values. We're going to spend a bit of time uh, looking at these today. Um, what I mean by is it still foundational is people coming into this church for the first time are not going to see straight away what our values are or what our vision statement is or they're not going to see what we believe. What they see is this, the fourth layer of identity, which is our culture. Okay, this is the thing that's visible to a new person coming in is our culture, which is an outworking of these three things. All right, so we'll see our culture. It's a thing that's immediately visible. Uh, so the building, if you, go in, if you see a building, if you look at this building, you look on the outside, you just see the structure on top. We don't see anything uh, in the foundation. And the, but the building itself that we do see is directly related to the strength and size of the foundations that we don't see. I'm feeling this is a bit, it's quite wordy today, all right? We're gonna move, we'll get to some kind of more interesting, but I think I want us to understand how these things relate to one another. So we have an understanding. Um, let me give you an example about this. So um, I'm not going to talk about culture today. Uh, Fru's going to talk about that next week. We're going to finish our uh, series by talking about that next week. Um, but imagine this. Someone new comes in to this church today. All right? Someone comes in uh, to this church today. Uh, maybe they've been invited. Maybe they've listened to a podcast 
and they thought, oh, I'd like to visit that. Maybe they've seen our five-star Google reviews and think, oh, that's the church I want to visit. Maybe they saw the sign out the front. Maybe they've seen a social media post. But for some reason, they turn up here, for, and it's the first time here. Um, and by the way, all of the surveys and church metrics that you look at suggest that most people make a judgment about the church that they're visiting in the first two minutes. Like long before the speakers got up to speak, actually I'm not important at all, really. Long before the worship team has played a single note or the organ has started, they've made a judgment in the first two minutes about what they feel and what they think about the church. So it's, it's all on the car park team, to be honest, uh, and, the, and the welcome team. Kev, it's on you, mate. It's on you, buddy. Um, but, you know, maybe they've had a cup of coffee, but they've come in and they've, they've experienced something of the atmosphere. They've seen what's on the screens. They've heard what music is playing. And, and they've made a judgment about the culture of the church. So, so anyway, so someone walks in to hear this morning and maybe they think oh you know this is, I've only been here a couple of minutes but already I've been welcomed three times by three different people maybe maybe that's a good thing maybe it's not I don't know but maybe you know they, it's, it's just um, let's imagine that, that is, that's, what, that's what's happened and so they think to themselves oh this is a welcoming and friendly church that's the culture that I perceive of this church it's welcoming and friendly but what they don't realize is that that culture is influenced by our values of generosity and excellence. Because as a church, we have values of generosity and excellence. We want to be generous in the way that we relate to people. We want to be generous in our welcome. It's not just about money. It's about how we live. We want to be generous. But we also want to be excellent. We want to host these services in an excellent way. We want to give our best. And so they see the culture of welcoming and they go, oh, this is a welcoming church. But if they're here for the first time, they don't necessarily see that it's tied to our values of excellence and generosity. And they don't see that that is underpinned by our vision of being here for the one. We're here for people who don't know Jesus. So we're going we're gonna to welcome people with all that we have. We're going to include unconditionally because we're here for the one. And perhaps they don't even, you know, they don't see that that is underpinned itself by what we believe about who God is. We believe that God is a good God. God is a welcoming God. God is interested in people's lives. And we, we believe that Jesus sent his son to die for these people. And we want them to know that. We want them to experience something of God's kingdom. But all people see when they first come is our culture. But then over the course of time, they start to see under the hood a little bit. And they say, oh, I see. I see how that relates to those things. Culture is so important because it's the first thing that people see. But you don't really decide your culture. You decide. You get your values, your vision, what you believe. And your culture is just an outworking of those things. You get these things right and this will kind of take care of itself. And if this is not taking care of itself, then you've got to look at what's underpinning it and whether we are aligning to those things. Anyway, I'm not talking about that today. Fru's talking about that uh, next week. Um, every, every church has a culture. Every organization has a culture. Every home has a culture. We have on our kitchen wall, we've written our values that we believe we want to see in our home and that makes a culture 
And the thing is, you will have a culture whether you know it or not. And you can either be intentional about it or unintentional and maybe end up with a culture that you don't want. All right, so we want to be intentional about our culture. Um, anyway, don't miss next week. That's going to be amazing. And by the way, if you do happen to miss a week, we do post all these messages online, normally on Sunday afternoons. Uh, if you're not, can I say, if you're part of this house, if you're part of this family, I would encourage you to always catch up on a message because these messages are not random. You know, I believe that God inspires all of our speakers to speak a word for now for us. And we don't want to miss, don't want to miss a thing, right? We want to make sure we get it all, right? So I would encourage you to catch up. Um, okay, so we're looking at our values today. And the thing is, our values are perhaps where we start to see some... Uh, separation, if you like, not in a bad way, but separation from other churches. So with our beliefs, yeah, yeah, they pretty much align with other churches' beliefs. Our vision is, again, it will pretty much align with other people because we all have the same mission, right? The great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded. That's, that was the instruction that Jesus gave to us. So in a way, whatever the wording is, most churches would have a vision statement, something like that. I'm here, here for God, here for people. Love God, love people. Here for my town, here for God. That kind of thing. It would be something like that. But our values, this is the thing that starts to make us a little bit more unique as a congregation because it comes out of uh, our personality. It comes out of who we are as people, who God has made us to be. And, you know, we don't want carbon copies of the same church in the town. We want differences, right? Because we all worship in a different way. So our values are kind of, uh, makes us a bit more unique. Um, sticking with our analogy of the human body then. So our beliefs, we said, were our bones. Our vision was our senses. Our values, I would say, is like our heart. It's like our heart. It's our beating heart. Okay, because this is where, this is the thing that drives, sends the life around the body. We get this right, it gives us the energy to do the things that we're called uh, to do. Um, it's the essence, it's the core of who we are as a church. So we have five values that um, we have decided are sunny here. We share these values with our sister campus in Paul. Uh, and these are values that we try to embody as this church. Let me go through all five quickly and then I'm going to briefly unpack them. I know we are running quite late today, but I'm going to go as quick as I can. So hold, everybody hold up your hand like this, five fingers up, like that. First value generosity all right there we go so our thumb it represents generosity thumbs up because generosity is so great all right we love generosity thumbs up it's the most I'm guessing it's the most used emoji thumbs up I use it all the time uh, all right uh, in fact I, I read something a couple of weeks ago that said generation gen z have now cancelled the thumbs up emoji because it's too passive aggressive I don't know. Yeah, I'm still going to use it. I'm not Gen Z. I'm good. Uh, all right. Our second value. Everybody hold up your, your index finger. Uh, point it forward. Our next one is innovation. That's why we point forward. All right. Innovation. That's our second value. Our third value. Uh, is that, we have to be careful with this one. Um, Hold up your middle finger. In fact, hold it in your other hand is probably a better way of doing it. Uh, or hold up the first three together. Yeah. So our third value is growth because this is the tallest of the fingers, right? So we, that's growth. 
And our fourth uh, is our uh, wedding ring finger. Did you know, I, I read this week, that uh, your fourth finger uh, represents love and unity, which is why we put the wedding ring on that finger. And I was thinking how in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul talking about love, he said love is the most excellent way. So our fourth finger, it represents excellence. All right? Um, and then our fifth finger, our little pinky, represents next gen because we want to be a next generational church. That's already been mentioned uh, this morning. So generosity, innovation, growth, excellence, next gen. And perhaps you're there sitting thinking, but there's nothing about God in your values. Can I say everything is in all of the values? And, you know, you do hear some values where you know God is number one, and there's actually no, no, no. God is present in all five. Okay, there's no, there's no order with God and then other things. God is in all five. All right, so um, generosity, innovation, growth, excellence, next generation. So let's briefly unpack these and get some biblical foundation for them. Now, in this church, we always go back to the Bible. Okay, always. Uh, if you're wondering who we are, what we believe, we believe the Bible is the inspired word of God and we can go back to it and we'll find life in there. So... Uh, all of our messages go back to the Bible. We, want, we believe if we, want to, if we want a deeper, more fulfilling, better relationship with God, then there's no better way. Or one of the ways that we do that is through the Bible, reading the word of God, okay, that we build that relationship. So number one, generosity. Generosity. This is a great value to have as a church. And again, you may be thinking, oh, I've heard about churches like this. You know, they're going to talk about money all the time because they're after your money. We're not after your money. I can say that we're not after your money at all. When you give money, it makes no difference to me. All right? It makes no difference to my wages. I'm not looking to increase my wages. I'm not looking to increase my hours. When we ask you to give, it's because God is after your heart. And this, our money and our wealth and our possessions are the closest thing that's tied to our heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he's after your heart. And so we, we teach on generosity. We teach on giving. Um, Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You will either love one and hate the other or love the other and hate, hate the one. You can't love both God and money. And you know what the best, absolute best way of combating an unhealthy um, Love of money and things and possession. Notice I say unhealthy. I'm not saying that having money is bad. I'm not saying that earning money is bad. I'm not even saying that kind of working and desiring to earn more money is bad because it's not. But having an unhealthy love of possessions and wealth and property and money is bad. The best way to combat an unhealthy attitude towards money and possessions and wealth is generosity it is it just is you cannot be generous you cannot have a generous heart and be in love with wealth it doesn't work you can have wealth and be generous and you cannot have much and still be generous but it's the best best way because generosity it flows out of a heart of gratitude 
And if we have got our gratitude in the right place, we are grateful to God, then we want to be generous uh, towards him. It's a demonstration of our gratitude. We learn to thank God for everything that we have. We learn to trust him for the things that we need. And then we're grateful for him when he gives it to us. And when he blesses us, we can be conduits of his blessing. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Notice he doesn't say the wallet of the generous gets larger and larger. He says the world, because the world is actually about people. Really, at the end of the day. The world is about people. And if you want to have a world filled with people and relationships with people, be more generous. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. That's wisdom there from the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon, inspired by the Holy Spirit. All right, uh, 2 Corinthians. Paul writing to the Corinthian church had this to say. He said, remember this. And this is not just a message for the Corinthian church. This is a message for every church. It says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. That's good, isn't it? You get to decide in your heart. You don't get to respond to pressure or compulsion. You don't need to be reluctant about it. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will get wealthier and wealthier? No, you will abound in every good work. This is something that we need to believe about God. This is a foundational belief. We need to believe that God is able to bless us in order that we can bless others. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, and again, that's interesting, isn't it? That what comes in, into our world, into our lives, is both seed and bread. Like, often we think of it just as bread. We want to eat that stuff. We want to take it for us. But actually, he firstly, he says, he who supplies seed to the... So what do you do with seed? You don't eat seed. I guess maybe some of you do. You can buy packets of seed. I don't know. But you sow seed. You sow it. You spread it. You're generous with your seed because that makes a harvest. He who provides seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It's this cycle, this brilliant cycle. I'm thankful, I have gratitude towards God so I'm going to be generous. What happens is God blesses you so you can be more generous and it results in thanksgiving to God. Let me move on. Two, innovation. Okay, pointing forward. What's the first thing we learn about God in the Bible? Genesis 1 verse 1. What's the first thing we read? God created, that's the first thing. In the beginning, God, what did he do? He created. God is a creator God. What's the first thing we learn about people in the Bible? Sorry? No, even before that. Let me tell you. Verse 26 says this. So this is after he's made everything else. The first thing that God says about people is, he said, let us make mankind 
in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So God is a creator, and man is made in his image. We are created beings, we are creative beings. And maybe some people, I've heard people say, oh, I'm not creative at all. You go, that's <laughs> that's rubbish that's poppycock I don't know where that word came from that wasn't even it's rubbish everybody we, there's creativity in all of us there is and you know what I, I, I guess I feel most close to God when I'm in that creating zone when I'm I don't know working on music, when I'm putting together videos, when I'm designing a service, when I'm creating a preach, when I'm being creative, when I'm being innovative. I feel so close to God in those moments. Creativity is at the heart of who God is and it's at the heart of who he's made us to be. So we want to be creative, we want to be innovative. They reflect the heart of God. And I believe because of that, the church should be the most creative and innovative place on earth. It really should. It's, it's an active posture. It's not passive. Not waiting to see what happens, but no, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be innovative in my world. And so what, how does that look like for us as a church on the ground? How is it played out? Well, we tend to use modern technology as much as we can. We sing new songs. Um, we try and be creative with our services. We listen to what God is saying to us now. We're not relying on, on things from years ago. So we do often sing new songs. And you know, there are people who come and go, why don't you sing any of the old ones? Well, we do sometimes put them in. But we want to hear what God is saying to the church now. And so we're pretty intentional about thinking, okay, well, there's some great songs that God is providing in the world. We actually started a songwriting workshop a couple of weeks ago um, with some guys uh, from, uh, from the other campus. We want to be hearing God for us. Um, we want to be fresh. We want to be fearless. We want to be willing to fail because that's at the heart of innovation as well. Being willing to fail and going, okay, we learned something from that. Let's try again. Let's try again. Psalm 96 says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Uh, Isaiah 43, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. God is always doing a new thing. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. He's a fresh God. He's got fresh revelation for us every day. Ephesians 2 verse 10, we are God's handiwork. In some translations it says we are God's masterpiece or we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we are an innovative church and we are a generous church. Three, growth, growth. Growth matters. We don't want to be content to maintain. We want to be growing Okay, and we're not talking just, we are talking about growing as a, as a body of people, but we're also talking about growing spiritually. So spiritually and numerically, we are here for the one. Every one matters. And so we champion growth by creating healthy community that is missional and invitational. We take that mission of God seriously to go and make disciples, to be witnesses 
to the ends of the earth. And we want to be a people who invite relentlessly. Relentlessly. Never giving up. We're going to be relentless in our inviting. Because this is our value. We want to build God's kingdom. We want to be his hands and feet here on earth. Also, we want to be a people who grow in our relationship with God. So we have things like a daily Bible reading plan that's out there every day with, a, with an accompanying video. We have small groups. We have men's ministries. We have women's ministries. We put things on. We put events on. So that, like last weekend and like the Chris Dingle service because we are interested in reaching people with the, with the gospel. And growth is funny. It's one of those things that you don't try and grow. As a child, you don't think, oh, I'm just going to grow and make yourself grow by putting effort in. What you do is you create a healthy environment. And in the healthy environment, growth happens automatically. You don't, if you want a plant to grow, you don't kind of tug the plant to make it longer. You just create the right environment. You water it, you nurture it, you give it good soil, you give it food, and then it grows. And the same with us. So really, this, this value of growth is just as much about health. We want to create a healthy church so that growth happens. That's why we encourage you to read your Bible every single day. And we will always do that. Most weeks, we'll tell you, keep reading your Bible. It's where life change happens. All right, Matthew 13 says, uh, this is part of the parable of the sower. I'm sure you've heard of it. The seed that falls on good soil, we want to be good soil so that uh, someone who hears the word and understands it, this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. That's what happens when you're good soil, when you've got healthy soil. Things grow. Uh, Colossians 2, 6-7. Then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. There's two analogies here. There's rooted, which is a kind of agricultural term. We want to have deep roots. And built up in him is an architectural term. We want to build bigger, bigger church. No, you, know, you know what I mean by that, by healthier church. Um, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. One more, Psalm 92. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. I want to be a tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. How? Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. This is a message for everybody. Yes. We talk about being next generation. I'm going to come to that in a minute. But we will still bear fruit in old age. Amen. All of us. Oh, yes. This is good for me. I need to hear this. All right, I'm getting there. All right, I'm going to stay fresh and I'm going to stay green. Yeah? Amen. Great. Okay. Move on. Four. Excellence. Uh, which is this finger. Excellence finger. Excellence is not about perfection. Okay. Don't get that. Don't make that mistake. We're not about trying to be perfect. We're, trying to, we're all about trying to do the best we can with what we have. Okay. That's what excellence is. Doing the best you can with what you've been given. Because God is worth it. And because we believe people who don't know God yet, are worth our best. So we try and make this environment a nice place to bring people. We, get, we buy nice coffee. Uh, people make cakes, which I love. Um, we try and have good sound, decent equipment for our kids' work and our, for our ministries. They, I love the fact that we started that new preschoolers thing today. But we want to invest in those things because we want to do it well. 
We don't want to do it badly. We put on, want to put on good events. We don't always get it right. The first to admit that. Sometimes we have a car crash when we try. But that's okay. We pick ourselves up and we keep striving to do our best. When we first planted this church, there was a scripture that was resonating in my head. And, and, I've, and I've shared on it before. And it's in, I think it's in 1 Kings 10, when um, the Queen of Sheba visits King Solomon. She hears about King Solomon. She hears about his wealth and about his palace and about his people and about his wisdom. And she thinks, I want to go and check that out. But then she arrives and she sees it. And the the Bible in one translation said she's left breathless by it. And she says, I heard about this, but actually experiencing it is a whole other level. It's like even more amazing than I expected. That's what I want. I want people to come in here and go, I heard about this God. I heard about, I heard about you know, churches that praise and, and worship and, and are a family and building one another up. But this, this is a whole other level. I want it to leave them breathless. But then she says, right at the end, she says to Solomon, she says, how happy your people must be in this place. She said, praise be to God for all that he has done. And that's really the point, right? So that God gets the praise. God gets the glory. Colossians 3 verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Proverbs 22 says, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. 2 Corinthians 8, but since you excel in everything, so Paul talking to this church says, you excel, you're being excellent at all these things in your speech, in your faith, in your knowledge, in complete earnestness, in your love. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. He was saying, yes, be excellent in all these areas. Be excellent. Last one, five, next gen. Here at Sunny Hill, we are passionate about the next generation and our young people and our kids. We think that in order to be a healthy church, we've got to prioritize our kids and our youth. And what I'm, hear my heart on this, I'm not saying we prioritize the kids at their expense of our our elderly people. I'm saying us, as elderly people, need to together bring our wisdom and our experience and our love and help our children and our youth to grow in God. And I think this is important. And I think our kids' church is excellent. I really do. They're not just looking after our kids. They're putting into them stuff that's going to last them the rest of their lives. I'm so grateful for that. We have a great youth work. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Ben. I know Ben's not here today, but thank you for all you do with our youth. You're taking them to... God First Church this afternoon and looking at, well, you're going to go to um, Camp New Day in the summer and all the, all the events that you put on, we are so grateful for. It's important. And obviously we've just started our preschoolers ministry that Charlotte is heading up. There are a lot of churches that don't take this seriously and, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to bash or to compare ourselves to other churches, but unless you prioritize your young people and your youth, your church does not have a future. 
you, the church loses its future. And I want to be a church with a future. And so we're going to make that. It's one of our values. We're going to make it our priority. And maybe we have to put up with, with newer songs, with louder music than perhaps we would like. Maybe we have to put up with noisier services, kids playing at the back. I'm all cool with that. Noise being bashed and, and cars running around that we have to just kind of keep knocking out the way. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm really good with that, with noise. Because I think I want my kids here and I want them to have a great time. I don't ever want them to say, I don't want to go to church. Yes. I want to say, I want to be there. Jesus said this. He said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such of these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Mark, again, this is Jesus. He took the child in his arms. He said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Proverbs, again, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I know I said, you know, we want a church with the future, but it's not just about our future. It's about our present as well, because our kids have got things to teach us here and now. We look at their faith. We look at their trust in God. We look at their innocence. We look at the way that they are happy to stand here and worship. Yeah, they should inspire us, our kids and our young people. So these are our five values. Bit of a look under the bonnet. And maybe you've only noticed the culture before now. Now you know a little bit deeper about what's going on behind those things. Now you know where that flows from. And I guess this morning I want to I make a couple of invitations just before we finish. And my first invitation is this. If you like that, I like those things. I like, I like this. I like this church that we're trying to be. If you like that, join us on this adventure. Become part of what we're doing and help us to reach this community and the community around for God by being this church. And I guess the second thing I want to say is maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus. Like Fru said last week, 28 people responded to the gospel on Saturday night last week. Amazing. But maybe you've never done, taken that step. Maybe you've never uh, given your life over to Jesus in that way. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Next Sunday we have the baptism where Lydia's getting baptised and, and a few other people as well. At the moment it's four, but who knows what it will be by next week. But if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. To respond to this idea that God loved the world so much that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life it flows from love but it takes a decision on our part to make that step and if you would like to make that step this morning I'm going to be here at the front Fru will probably be here as well maybe some other people come and speak to me and we will, we'd love to pray a prayer with you well, it's just a prayer where you say I, I'm sorry for the way I've lived my life and I'm now ready to turn around and walk in a God direction. Walk with Jesus with me. To have this Holy Spirit living in me. Amen.